Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 177. So if this is the first time you've heard us, welcome. If it isn't... um, Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) 177 episodes. Um, What is Zen Parenting Radio, you may ask? Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you, and a logical, practical dad. That's me. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, so we're going to talk about happy. Happy. Don't worry. Be happy. That would have been a fun song to pull up, too. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note, so don't worry. That's your Be tea. happy. <laughs> um, so, so why are we talking about being happy? Because sweetie loves... He's in the building! <laughs> sweetie loves Oprah Winfrey. Well, I love Super Soul Sunday, and I, you know, we've been talking about it a lot lately because Shafali was on, but this has nothing to do with that. It's- He's in the building! <laughs> It's the guy who was on yesterday. What's his name? His name his name is Sean Acor, and he was new to me. I didn't know him. And uh, where does he work? He works at Harvard. And what I love, uh, well, and now I think he does more than work at Harvard. He was a researcher, and he studied positive psychology and actually taught a class at Harvard about becoming happy. And it became the most popular class at Harvard over economics. Right, because we all know how awesome economics are. Well, why do you- <laughs> why I say that is because people go to Harvard to, to go study, study that kind of boring thing. stuff like supply and demand curves <laughs> and uh, guns and butter. Or I is know. That, was that only Drake? I have no idea. Probably okay. no. It's probably uh, across the economics. Well, um, Todd and I both took econ in college. With, I was from one the same class professor. away from having a minor in econ. Yikes! That could have put me in a coma. Yes, I was. I think I took one. Econ class. Yes. So I was pretty far. I liked econ. Well, I know you do and you still do. And that's not a bad thing. A lot of my friends were econ majors and they were excellent at it, but that just wasn't my cup of tea. Okay. Um, so what are his... Anyway, so he studies, like I said, positive psychology. He taught this class at Harvard about how to be happy. It was the most popular class there. And what I love, just like Brene Brown and all these people who come in with this new research, is it supports... What Everything, we talk about. Yeah, through science. Through science. And and so many people, you know, we say this a lot on the show, but sometimes there's things that I say or, you know, or I felt as a kid, and I'm sure many of you felt as a kid, or you just feel all the time that it just feels right. And you'll say, well, I'm going to make this decision because it feels right. And then everyone will say, you're- That's a bunch of hogwash. You're pie in the sky. You wear rose-colored glasses, or you're not a realist. And and you- You can, know what I can't say when I say- I'm, sometimes my dad is pessimist. Yeah. I said, Dad, you're totally being a pessimist right now. And he said, no, a realist. And, the, and I feel I, like every, every pessimist has that in their back pocket to say. You know why? Because they have decided that being negative is real. Yes. And I think what this research that Sean Acor did, um, or and he like he really compiled a lot of other people's research. I don't think he was out going and doing it as much as he was finding other people's right. information. But what he one of the things that I was going to talk about here on the list, but I'll bring it up since you brought up your dad. Our ability to be happy is based on how we experience life. Right. It's not externals. Right. It's not what happens to us. It's how we view it, and therefore being a realist 
is can mean different things to different people. I can say I'm a realist because I view it this way. Right. And someone else can say, well, I'm a realist. They have decided that being negative is really the way the world works. And I have never agreed with that. Well, and we're going to talk about a question from one of our listeners who is married to a police officer. Mm. And it's going to be, I think what we're going to talk about might tie in because she wants some advice. Uh-huh. So we'll we'll talk about that in about 10 minutes. But okay. anyways. Well, so, so what I, I your, wanted to go through at least four of the things. The thing was- Are these four full. things you can do to get happier or these are four messages that you got out of this Well, talk? actually one of them is something you can do to be happy. I have um, some ideas too. But I think that actually all of them are because there are ways of experiencing things. But the first one that I thought was so huge is the opposite of happy is not unhappiness. What is it? Apathy. Okay. What does that mean? Well, a lot of people think that we're not supposed to feel unhappy and that's not, we are. Mm. Being unhappy or being sad, you know, it's like what we always talk about on the show, all emotions are good and okay. And you want to know why? Because they tell us things. If you're feeling anxious, maybe something's not right. If you're feeling angry, maybe somebody's stepping over the line with you. If you're feeling kind of in the dumps, it tells you that things need to turn around. So you're not supposed to feel happy all the time. And and I think he actually even said on the show, people who are happy 24-7, there's something wrong. He said that's a disorder. That's a disorder. It's it's non, not non-human, but there is something out of whack for somebody who's... Well, they're not feeling their other sensitivities. They're not relating to the outside world. You can't watch what people do to each other or someone harming an animal or somebody you know being hurt or in the hospital and be happy all the right. time. You have to go through all all of the Ebbs emotions. And flows. But that doesn't mean your outlook on the world can't be happy. Those are different things. Right. But I love the word apathy just means you don't care anymore. You stop caring. Mm-hmm. You're just like you've given in to either a negative feeling or you've given in to a a way of believing or a story that you're telling yourself. And I'm not when I say that I'm not saying you're weak because I've been there. I've gone through depression before. So I know how that can be. Um, And that's something where you need help and you need support. Um, But what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be that way. So Well, and you talked about um, how happiness is 10% external and 90% internal. I didn't give that example yet. You didn't? Well, I said said it's more external, but I want you to say again the statistic. Yeah, 10% of happiness comes from something outside of you. And and the other 90% is either how you deal with it or... How you view it. How you view it. How you you experience it. So um, one thing I got, because I I also listened to uh, the Super Soul Sunday with this guy, um, what I thought was interesting is that happiness is not the attainment of something. Never, never. He's actually, it's working towards the attainment of something. So do you have the quote written down? Because that was the thing that I was like, ding, ding, ding. It was the Greek definition mm, I don't. of joy or of happiness right. is the joy in finding meaning in what you're doing every day or working toward meaning in your life. And so, sorry, for those of you who saw it, who have the quote off the top of your head, I I don't have it in front of me, but it's basically doing something every day that feels meaningful and working toward that constantly. Well, and and that thing has to have value too. Meaning, value. Yes, it needs to have meaning because if you're working at a job you can't stand, I mean, you're working towards it, you're working towards earning a paycheck, that doesn't necessarily equate to happiness. And it just depends because here's the thing, for people who can't find a job and they can't pay the bills, and I was, you know, I am thinking about this because Todd and I are watching Friday Night Lights 
and we were watching in the episode we watched last night both Vince and Riggins. 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 I love Riggins. I know. So most women love Riggins. I, I got a male crush on Riggins. I know. But both Vince and Riggins were looking for a job and finding a job. And actually Vince does find one. Um, Riggins, not so much. Um, but he feels great pride because he's working toward meaning in his life. It's a means to an end, meaning that it keeps him out of trouble. Mm-hmm. It keeps keeps him away of the trouble he used to get into, and it keeps him on the football team, and that is meaningful for him. So he doesn't necessarily want to work at a restaurant his whole life. Right. So it's not about the job or that you that you know always that you're living. You know, people are all like, I'm not going to get into a job until I know my passion. Right. You can take steps forward to get towards your passion. Right, right. But point the point that Todd's trying to make is that we find joy when we know what we're doing on a daily basis has meaning mm-hmm. that feels joyful i don't know if this is the quote studies show that success does not equate to happiness but happiness is in direct relation to success which is another one of mine we're just jumping what, all what over do you the place. expound on well that? just that what the way that our brains work now and what we've been told the bill of goods that we've been sold mm-hmm. is that once we achieve success then we will find happiness right. and the truth of the research as todd just read is that If we go the other way, we flip-flop it, and we find meaning and happiness in our day-to-day lives, we will inevitably find success. It goes the other way. And so what we what we end up doing is we keep going through our lives thinking, once I get through fifth grade, I'm going to be happy. Once I get through middle school, once I get through high school, once I go to college, once I graduate, once I get that job, once I get married, you guys know what I'm saying here. And you never get to a place where you get something and therefore you're happy. Right. You know what? The This is an old Wayne Dyer quote, but it's obviously coming into my head. There is no way to happiness... Happiness, happiness is, is the, the way. way. I don't know if that's a Wayne thing. It had to, yeah, it had that was to a Wayne. predate Wayne, don't you think? No, that was a Wayne Dyer. Hmm. But it's. I hope he came up with it, but I have a feeling that is so profound that uh, that people have been saying that for hundreds of years. It's a guess. Maybe in different words, but that was on a tape of Wayne Dyer's that I had right. in the And regardless like, of who came up with it, it's... He kind of... Made it. it his own, but it's so profound. It is, and it is, and it probably is paraphrased mm. from the Tao somehow. It's nobody, right. nothing that anyone says is. There's brand nothing new. original, no, except us. <laughs> there, you know, everybody's basically taking information other people have said and giving it. What we're trying to do, what the show is, is let's find language to talk about things so we can understand it, practice it, and find meaning. It's not about. Um, you know, reading the same words over and over again. It's talking it through and figuring out a way that it resonates with us so it can penetrate. So um, I want to talk about the example they gave on the show regarding the glasses half full or half empty. Yeah. But before I do that, I want to talk about our first par- partner, and that's Dr. John Kelly. He's a dentist on the northwest side of Chicago. His phone number is 773-631-6844. And um, their uh, website is chicagodentistonline.com. And our tagline that we're giving to John, because he doesn't have a tagline, is this ain't your father's dentist. <laughs> this ain't your father's I dentist. I like the ain't. This is not your Thank father's you. dentist. And what we mean by that is uh, he is 
uh, above and beyond. Uh, he educates himself um, in all these different types of ways to have a good smile and breathing and airways. It's not just about filling cavities. So uh, we're big fans of his. And it's all about alignment, health, and overall wellness so, through uh, dentistry. Um, if you live in the Chicagoland area, um, people come from all over to see him. He's that good. So 773-631-6844. Glasses half empty. Um, glasses half empty. What they talked about on the show is it doesn't matter if the glass is empty, half empty, or if the glass is half full. It doesn't matter what words you use just as long as you see that there's a pitcher of water sitting next to it. And what if there is no pitcher? <laughs> Isn't that what Oprah said? Well, no, she didn't say it. She said, you know what people are going to say. Right. And that's where we have to broaden our perspective. Well, and let's zone in exactly on because we spend a lot of our energy uh, deciding whether or not the glass is half full or half empty. And I think his uh, example is basically like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but to expand to your point, your outlook on what's available, what's accessible. Don't stare at the glass. Yeah. Don't worry about what we call it and what it is. That's kind of almost a, I don't want to call it a dogma, but it's a belief system or a story. Right. It's either half empty or it's half full. What is it? What do you believe? Who are you? Expand beyond that and see that there's a picture waiting to fill it mm. either way. Right. So let's just look, let's just look beyond. Mm. Let's look around. Let's be willing to trust that there is goodness. I mean, this is the whole thing about the beauty of the universe. If you can be open to it and be open to being wrong sometimes in, you know, Todd posted something on our Facebook today that I thought was really important. Um, it said something about the uh, the ability to admit a mistake is saying, now I am wiser. To um, admit that you are wrong is to declare that you are wiser now than you were before. And I think that's so profound because I think just like we think crying is weakness, we think admitting to a mistake somehow makes us weak or somehow we become untrustworthy to people. And I find in my experience, it's quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. The people that I'm with who are able to say, oh, I did that. That was my responsibility. Own up to it. Not only is the issue then over and there's no need to like dig deep into it or gossip about it, but I trust that person right. because they know it's like whenever, you know, the girls say, Yes, I did that. Or when they come to me and said, ooh, I think I messed up something in your computer, I so appreciate that. And I give them tons of kudos for that. I don't say, what were you doing on my computer? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I may ask after, <laughs> you know, or may make a limit. But I appreciate that they're telling me. And when you and I have discussions, it's one of the most important parts of our discussion is if we're disagreeing about something or one of us was wrong that we can say to each other, I was wrong. I was wrong. Right. Or, you know what? I do see it your way now. Right. Maybe I'm not fully there, but my mind has opened. Right. Um, that our ability to hold our ground on something and say, no, I'm not going to listen to what anybody else says, that's a weakness. EGO. That is ego. And that is digging your feet in the ground. It's almost kid like. It's like a tantrum. Well, and I think um, there's exceptions, obviously, but I think men typically don't want to be vulnerable. Like I think women are much quicker to to admit mistakes, no? What do you think? No, I think it, I think it depends on the person. Yeah, it depends on the person. I, but That's probably too general. But generally speaking, I don't, and I don't know, Todd. I really don't know because I'm thinking about some of the people. I think that there are 
it, sometimes it's a it's a dynamic between certain people. Like sometimes if you are in a relationship with someone who can't admit mistakes, it's harder for you to admit, admit mistakes. Right. Do you know what I mean? It becomes this power struggle. Well, this is a parenting show and we sometimes don't even talk about parenting on our parenting show. <laughs> it's but all about parenting. We uh, as parents sometimes feel like we are in charge. We're the boss. We cannot show that we are weak or vulnerable to our children. And uh, many times me, other parents I know, we don't want to admit mistakes to our kids because we feel like we are, um, we will lose a control over them. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to say anything on the show regarding this subject or this topic on parenting, it is be big enough to admit to your kids when you screw up. Because how often do we do that? Well, and not only that, but then we expect our kids to admit mistakes to us, yes. but they don't even know how that it's looks. It's not a two-way street. They've never seen it. Right. They haven't seen it in their home. So if they have learned through you energetically or just literally, because you never say, you never admit mistakes or you never say you're sorry, or you never say, Ooh, that was my responsibility. I messed up on that. Then they don't even know how to do that. Right. And so then we ask them if they did something and they make up lies and they try and cover it up because they don't know what will happen right. if they admit a mistake. So, so, but that kind of leads to another one because you were talking about this is a parenting show, but understand that everything is about parenting. Right. No matter what we talk about it. Even when we're not talking about parenting, just put it in the filter of parenting. Because the, you know, the thing about the show, it's a parent's self-understanding that helps a child the most. So if we're talking about self-understanding, you're inevitably helping your kids. Right. So the next one is intelligence. Are you talking about me again? Is, no, oh. even though you are smart. Thanks. Intelligence is only 25% of why we get and keep a job. Hmm. Can you believe that? I can. Um, I have really, I think I, I don't want to say I undervalue it, but I don't think the college you go to or your GPA has nearly, even when I got out of college, I would have all these people that were in the workforce say, you know what? Just get in the door. If you interview well, you're golden. You're golden. And it, that's not about GPA. And a lot of people say, well, how am I supposed to get in the interview unless I have a GPA? Well, some sometimes jobs aren't, aren't required to do that. Sometimes it's all about networking. Sometimes it's who you know. I remember my first interview was just somebody that I knew. But anyway, what I want to say so no, about- I, I, I believe that 100%. Well, and so do I, obviously. But what I, what I think is so interesting about that is that, again, our society is flip-flopped. We're so focused on our kids from- you know, sometimes even in utero, we're yeah. playing the music and reading to them. So right. they have this high intelligence. So they go to school. So they have, you know, and, and we do this throughout their childhood and their young adulthood. Yet when, and this is, and I should say this, I should step back and say, this is research that Sean yeah. talked about. On Everything the show. we're talking about is backed up by smart guys with glasses, a bunch <laughs> of nerds. He said that they did this huge study at IBM mm -hmm. and that there were only like the statistic on the people who were like came out of the schools with the, you know, the high GPA. And like you said, the high test scores, I'm, I'm, I'm messing up the thing. It's 25%. What did I write down? Intelligence is 25% of the reason that somebody got the job. Mm. Is that the right way to say it? Um, or keep their job or keep their job that what they found was it, it was the people's people skills, leadership, leadership, their ability to get along with others, social their ability intelligence, to, exactly. Yeah. Emotional intelligence, all of those things that we talk about. So again, but we, but we put 90% of our attention on our kids' grades. Exactly. It's messed up. And so again, these are just these little shifts that we need to make in our thinking. It doesn't mean then we just totally drop Ignore. the ball in education. But no, put 25% of your energy into it instead of 90 well, or 
when something somebody doesn't get an A or when your child decides not to join a club or when your child decides not to do certain things that you have come to believe are ultimately important in their life success, question that right. and question you know how you talk to them about it because you know what is essential in their life ex- their life success is their connection to you yeah and so that's essential that's your baseline that's your baseline that's your foundation so if you are arguing with them constantly about school and arguing with them about grades and, or telling them they're not good enough or, and, or pushing them just for that extra effort to get that B plus instead of that B at the expense of your relationship with your kid yes. it's a disservice that's right. And so you are less likely to have a happy kid in the long run. If, you know, we all say that our um, dreams for our kids is for them to be happy. Well, for them to be happy, they need to have a connection with you. So that actually, we ended up saying two different things. The workforce part, Mm -hmm. that intelligence is not, intelligence isn't as big of a deal as we thought it was. And the second thing is the connection with you is so much more important than you pushing them to constantly be more than who they are. So those are two different things. Um, So- um, would you want to talk about, there's one thing I wrote down about last night about technology and how you got, Yeah, you had an interesting take on that. Well, last week, Todd and I, or maybe it's two no, weeks No, it was ago. last week's Was it last show. week? We were talking about how uh, one of the things that I had noticed that Todd does is whenever the girls say they want to have technology time or they grab an iPad, mm-hmm. he he's, seems disappointed in them and that they're picking up on that. And while I'm on my computer most of the while day. he's on his computer and has his phone. But not only that, it's not just the hypocrisy, it's that technology isn't really that bad. Right. Meaning there are and so going to what Sean um Acor said is he said Oprah said something like, you know, is technology really a bad thing? Are we learning that it's hurting us and disconnecting us? And again, that's a perspective. Mm-hmm. He said research has not shown that technology is actually disconnecting us. Right. What it's showing is it's how it's used. When it's used for the good, it's creating these It leverages, it it, it, it creates opportunities that would never exist it connects it bonds it does all these things but when we use it as a numbing out tool when we use it because and then we have it make us feel bad because we're on facebook all day looking at what other people are doing well let's talk about facebook um you know a lot of people let's say a lot of kids use facebook to bully other kids that's that's technology being gone bad yeah Mm -hmm. and then um facebook for me is i have a connection to people that i never would have had a connection to you know a friend from college 20 years ago, I can write, I could find them and write them and ask them a question or ask them for them, ask them for support in ways that was never available before. And Facebook is a good, again, it's analogy, just like with happiness is it's all about your perspective. What I've done with Facebook is the pages I've liked and the people that I'm connected to, mm. I really like them. Well, they're usually positive. They're they're like, when I look at my newsfeed, it's like all these positive quotes and all these people supporting other people and right. all these people who are like, you know, I'm running this race and all these people who are doing these really cool things that inspire me. So Facebook for me is inspiring. Is inspiring. Yeah. A lot of people have said to me, oh, it's just so awful because people are ripping on you other people. You make it what you want to make then, it. Then hide those people. Yeah. Why are you put, making that part of your day? Mm. They, you know, hide. I'm not saying disconnect and say I'm not going to be your friend ever again, but hide their newsfeed. Right. They are they are looking for other people who think like them. Right. So allow them to find those people, and you mm-hmm. you hide them. Stay above it. So 
that's exactly like the way we view the world. We look around the world and we watch negative things and we read negative books and we talk to negative people. And so, of course, the world feels negative. But if you make a choice to read things that inspire you, to hang out with people who who actually support you, to notice nature and notice the beauty of my today was ridiculously gorgeous mm-hmm. to like notice those things you feel better that is that is happiness you make a choice of how you see things i want to um give some uh we're having a wonderful discussion here but i'm always about okay what can the listener get out of this and this guy gave a few ideas before i do that i want to see if there's anything else you want to talk about one thing the probably the most important thing that i can't believe i skipped over is number one on the list is the genetic component oh yeah We've been told through research that people are born with a certain predisposition for happiness, like that you you have a set point. This is – I don't remember when that came out, but that everybody has a certain set point for happiness, which there is some truth to that, but your genetics – do not define how happy you can be. Nor, they, nor your environment. They may define or they may kind of set the set point, mm-hmm. but then it's your choices that can really change, alter, heighten, reprogram, reprogram your happiness. Right. So a lot of people will walk around saying, well, you know, you know, I just don't feel good. These are my genetics. This is how everybody in my family is. This is just the way it is. That is apathy. Right. That is that feeling of there's nothing I can do about this. And what he's saying, this is research again, everybody, is practices and daily habits can heighten your happiness level. And this is huge because I, you know, it's one of these things we've always talked about or that I've, you know, always believed and a lot of people have, and people will just knock you down Mm -hmm. and say, you don't, you know, you don't understand genetics. You don't understand the big picture. You don't understand the power of DNA. I do. I don't deny it. I'm a therapist. I know how those things happen, but that's just kind of, we think then what's that set? We can't do anything about it. It's not predetermined. And that's the untruth. Yeah. And so- you know, you want, so now So we have some, um, different exercises and it's funny. I, I want to talk about this lady's question too, because I think it fits right in. There's, okay. I'm not going to say her name just cause I didn't know if I'm allowed to, but she, this is what she wrote. I'm a wife to a Phoenix police sergeant. We strive to take care of ourselves and to see the good and live an intentional life. We are swimming up current as we see the evil of this world face to face. The past year has been devastating for Phoenix with officers involved in shootings and deaths. What insights do you have for families and law enforcement and military, specifically when your day job is a daily test against evil and to your resolve to stay positive and live intentionally? And, you know, my goodness, that's such a tough one. Todd's dad is a police officer, so we hear this from him quite a bit. And I have friends whose significant others are police officers, so we hear this a lot. And there is no special magical thing I can say to you, but what I can say is two things. Number one, that there almost needs to be, you know, first of all, thank you mm-hmm. to your husband or to anybody who is on the police force because it's kind of, today is actually Memorial Day when we're taping this. And, you know, it's one of those things where there are certain people who are willing to go out there and do jobs that are very dangerous and very difficult and very um, overwhelming emotionally. And I don't think we have an understanding of what they sacrifice to make our lives easier. Well, they sacrifice. Obviously, they put their their put, lives put their lives on the but, line. But beyond that, they have the um, 
the unfortunate circumstance where they are more likely to be jaded. Absolutely. Simply because they are, to this woman's point, you see this on a day-to-day basis. If you see people shooting and hurting and killing and just hurting each other, it's hard not to let that affect you. It is. And I don't think you can't I think, of course, it's going to affect you. And I think what ends up happening or what we've talked with other people about is that when you are home, there's more work to disconnect, meaning there's no news. There is more time outside. There is more... if you are going to do that kind of job for a living, you know, if it be military, if it be police officer, if it be fireman, if it any of that kind of thing, uh, people in hospitals, yeah. you know, I used to work in a hospital and what you see on a daily basis, you have to have a commitment in your home life to disconnect from you, that. You are going to need to work harder. Yes. Harder than I do because I work in sales and construction and I don't see that negativity. Right. Harder for you because you do all this the things that you do. This is what I get to do. do for a living. So, yes. so it's the, the unfortunate part is they have to work that much. Much harder just to kind of keep their head above or water. feel better about the choices that a lot of people would say well i need to read the paper because i need to stay and they can cut themselves a break and say i'm done mm-hmm. i've done my job and you know the big thing is the is, you know what we got brought up what got brought up on the show is talk about every day working toward meaning mm-hmm. like i hope that for uh this woman's husband or for anybody who's listening who's in law enforcement or military that you have that underlying feeling of this is exactly what i'm supposed to be doing and I'm working towards something better. And that even when we take steps back, because gosh, it it sure feels like that a lot um, with all these shootings and, you know, it's overwhelming sometimes, but that you are still needed, that your goodness is necessary and is making a shift and is making a ripple effect and that you doing what you innately know you need to be doing is... um, helping the world well, and making our, our lives safer. And what I want to do is give some hands-on, and some of these I think came from the interview mm-hmm. we saw last night, but in 21 days, you can reprogram your, your, reprogram your brain to have a baseline of, of happiness in a way that you didn't have before. And that research comes from in 21 days, you can, by doing certain things, you can drop a habit habit or gain a habit. Mm-hmm. That's really what that comes from. Is, right. That's why a lot of things go for 21 days is right. because that's the way, that's where it gets ingrained. Right. So the first one is uh, three new things that take two minutes every day. And he says either write it down or mentally think about it. Say something you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. For two minutes, whether you write for two minutes or you say it out loud to somebody or you pick up the phone and you email or you pick up the phone, you call somebody, you email them just saying thank you to his, somebody. His example was actually every day, email, text or say some or call or say something face to face to someone that's kind that you're thinking about them and let them know. Do that every morning for 21 days. And he said, you don't even have to wait for the 21 days. After one day, you feel great about right. it. It, it. It heightens your happiness level. Right. Uh, next one is if you've had every morning or every day Write down one meaningful experience over the last 24 hours and write it out in detail. Mm. I've never done that before. I don't know what how that will help, but I, I'm willing to give it a try. Well, I think it helps us kind of expand it. I kind of, when you said that, I looked at it kind of like a balloon or like gum, like it mm. makes it bigger. Right. It's like, if you have a meaningful experience, sometimes I have these coincidences that are so crazy and wacky, you know, like I'll be thinking about someone and they'll text me or I'm like, wait, I, I need the name of this place. And all of a sudden a truck goes by and there's mm. the name. And sometimes I, I have that moment of cool coincidence, but I don't expand it. I don't 
really dig into how cool that is. Right. And if I were to write that write out, out. Yeah, it would that would feel it. really good. Well, one thing he said was about how, hey, we brush our teeth for two minutes every day. Yeah. And we do that because we take care of our teeth, because we need our teeth to eat and all that other stuff. Yet we don't take two minutes to do something- To create happiness. To create happiness. Yeah. And how messed up that is. Why are teeth that much more important than happiness? Yeah. So think about it in those terms. I mean, the term that you always use is you got to flex your spiritual muscle. Yeah. You got to use it every day. You got to strengthen, strengthen your it. spiritual muscle. You got to work it. I, the What's so important about that is that was such an aha moment in my life. And I was actually mowing the lawn when I got it. I remember I was listening to Marianne Williamson. I was mowing the lawn and she said, just because you read and practice these things all the time doesn't mean you're just going to be spiritual. You have to work this muscle daily. And I felt like a huge thing was taken off my shoulders because I had been reading and working and, and I, ca- I still felt that I was falling short. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's not, a, it's just like conscious parenting, parenting. It's not something you reach. It's something you do right. on an everyday basis to strengthen that muscle. Just like working out. You can't work out and say, once I'm a done, week say I'm done working out. and say, okay, that's it. Now I'm going to be healthy. Right. We know that we have to do things on an everyday basis. We have to move. And spirituality, and I'm using spirituality, but consciousness, awareness, happiness, it's all in the same vein. A few of the other things which are a little bit more practical or at least uh, not as um, eye-opening, you know, cardio, exercise, working out. out. And and let me define why. It's not for the vanity reason, Mm -hmm. and it's not because of the endorphins. Mm -hmm. Because the endorphins, Sean explained, are like pleasure. They just come and go. So it's because you are making a commitment to your overall health, and you know that your behavior matters, working toward meaning. That's why exercise is huge. Right. Um, And then the last thing is two minutes of mindful breathing. Yeah, Something we've talked about. Maybe on every other show for the last three years. And what I loved is he admitted, he said, mindfulness is really, he didn't say mindfulness is tough. He said, meditation is tough for me. He goes, my brain, I'm just, he goes, I'm so programmed to be all over the place mm-hmm. um, by either personality, nature, nurture, who knows. But he said, so now instead of thinking I need to like be doing ohm for 20 minutes, he goes, I literally just breathe for two minutes and that's it. Right. And so I think what Todd and I like to, to discuss on this this show is simplify things. Try not to think that there's something, there's a one way that you need to be doing things. Or if you're only breathing for two minutes, then it's not as good as your friend who you know meditates for twenty minutes. It's different for everybody, and it's not about length or that you're better than everybody else. It's about consistency. Yeah, and there are. You know, and making a commitment to yourself that it is indeed important. Well, and just the idea of comparing yourself to anybody else is silly. Yes. What you do is compare yourself to who you were the day before. And are you moving towards something? Or are you moving away from something? Yeah. So if you consistently are moving towards something, I feel like you're a little bit better off. Than- I, I just saw a great quote that said something like, the flower never thinks about the other flower sitting next to it. It just blooms. Yeah, I saw that quote too. I and, don't know where. Yeah. And, and it's so true. Like we don't have to look around and decide who's better than us or who's worse than us to decide what we're going to do. I'm actually talking to my kids about that a lot because... I find that they're, at least my two olders are in the age group where they're starting to define people like that person's a singer, that person's a dancer, that person is smart. And that's very normal because they're trying to define their worlds. But I also know that that can not that can work against them where if they then decide they do want to be a singer or a dancer or work in a certain way, they will say, well, that person's already doing that. And that we've got to recognize that all of those possibilities are open to us even now. Like I, I, you know, I think I've talked about this on the show, but three years ago I took tap dancing. 
That's right. And you were awesome at it. Was I? No. No. But I did do it. That's right. And I had fun. Yeah. And I was with a bunch of women who were tap dancing their whole lives and it was a beginner's class and I have no idea why they were in it because I'm like, I'm the beginner. That's right. Why are you here? But I had a ball. They're, they're called sandbaggers. Oh my gosh. They were like, I was like, what? Yeah. I don't even know what that move is. Yeah. What's up? They should be in medium. Yes. And I asked one of them, I'm like, why are you not in beginners? And she's like, well, I just don't want to. She kind of just wanted to play and not necessarily learn new stuff. But I'm like, but what about me? I'm still doing shuffle ball change. Yes. And you know what that means? What? I don't know. I know. Shuffle ball change? Shuffle ball change. Sounds like a fun move. And the buffalo step. I think it was called the buffalo step. Anyway, I practiced at home and thank goodness for YouTube because I'd watch YouTube clips and then practice. <laughs> over and over. Um, so Dr. Kelly, our other Dr. Kelly, yes. um, chirotree.com. Uh, she's our awesome chiropractor. She adjusts my entire family every single week. Can you believe that? Why, why would you have to go to a chiropractor every single week? Tell Align- me why. Alignment, baby. So you're telling me I get out of alignment every day? Of course. Wow. I mean, absolutely. Why? Everything. You fall, you work I out. I haven't fallen. And you, I haven't fallen. You, you work out. I you do. You run. Yep. Emotionally. I sleep on my side. Sleep. And I wake up sore. I know. There's, I'm an old man. And the thing is, is it's not about, don't look at it from the viewpoint of that there's something wrong with you. Therefore, you need to go to a chiropractor. I look at it the other way. I would like to stay in optimal alignment. And so I utilize that. That's right. And it really, it helps with the immune system. It doesn't mean that you'll never get sick. Right. It means if your body does get sick, your body knows what to do and it doesn't last as long. It snaps right into action. It's about wellness, sweetie. It's about wellness. Um, so June 10th, she has a workshop called Raise a stress-free family in a stressed-out world. It's June 10th at 10.15 at her office, um, 630-941-8733. Um, so the other thing I want to do is I want to um, talk about this other lady's question, and she gave me the permission to talk, uh, say her name. Her name is Heather. Her okay. last name is Long. And she says, we have a two-year-old and a three-year-old, and even though I've been attempting to deny it, I think I have a touch of postpartum depression. It really all seems to be coming to a head lately, and I just don't know how to handle it. I was wondering if you have any tips and what to look for in counseling and those types of things. Well, I've I've never had this, so I I defer to you. Yeah, well, definitely. If I feel like, you know, saying I have a post of postpartum depression or touch of postpartum depression means that she's obviously not feeling like herself. I mean, she's obviously feeling like something's off or my ability to handle things is poor, my patience is low, or I'm really sad or scared. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter what word you put on it. But I would say a few things. Number one, if you feel like it's at a point where you're afraid, I would get help. Mm -hmm. Meaning I would go to your um, gynecologist or your OBGYN and talk to them because I feel like they're the person probably getting that more than the family practitioner. That would be my assumption. Um, And so at least ask for that support and, you know, see what they say. I also think that things like moving, having time alone, having time to breathe, um, looking at what you're eating, meaning it's not just about food, but sometimes those things can deplete us too. I think what I want to say is that if anyone ever told me they had postpartum depression, I would always say get help first, Mm -hmm. meaning make sure that you consult your doctor. But I think that there's also a lot of things we can do beyond the doctor or simultaneous with a doctor that can help us kind of bring our ourselves up to a level where we feel comfortable again. Right. And what did you say her, how old were her kids? Two-year-old and a three-month-old. I mean, come on, that right there, that's a lot of work. And so there is also... 
what I can say to Heather is that there's a normal <laughs> feeling overwhelmed kind of situation going on. Yeah. Like I, I, I always envision myself on the floor um, nursing one baby and holding the other baby and like trying to keep them off the couch. And I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And I look back and I admire that woman who was doing that yeah. because I, I don't right now it seems so impossible. So that's another thing too, Heather, is that even though um, all the things I said before are true too, I also want you to know that you're kind of finding a new normal mm-hmm. with having this new baby and having these two little ones at home. And I guess the most important thing is if you can figure out a way to practice self-care, if it be by asking for help, if it be by um, you know taking time, getting up a little early before they get up, you know, whatever you can do um, – Self-care is the key for new moms, man. Yeah. If and they don't it's have it. so uh, foreign to them because they're on the clock 23 hours a day. Well, and it's kind of like the happiness thing. Sometimes we our days are scheduled in such a way where we say there is no way I can take a break because of the way I have it. But we have to, again, expand and think about the pitcher of water sitting next to that glass. What the pitcher of water is, is what about your neighbors? Right. Would they be willing? Is there, especially going into summer, is there a high school girl or a college girl who would be a mother's helper for you? Is there, have you asked your significant other enough? for help because I know when Todd and I were you know much younger and had the little kids I wanted to be the mother who did it all and I never wanted to bother him and don't that, be a martyr don't martyr out like ask for help it's hard for all of you dads who are listening it's impossible it's hard and I know dads know too but you know the not whole, all of them but what her body is experiencing is beyond just the day-to-day work her hormones are still coursing through her she's she may be nursing mm-hmm. so that's going on she's still recovering physically right. and also trying to be completely emotional available emotionally available to these kids and that is and at the same time, losing all parts of herself right. that she had before, they'll come back, Heather. Right. They'll come back. You'll get it'll all. The pieces will come back together. Um, but you know, that's. I think I'll stop there. So um, we have something on our website that we rarely ever talk about. Um, ZenParentingRadio.com. On the right hand side, it says send us a voice message. So if you had a question um, or a comment or whatever, you can do that by clicking on that button, and then if your computer has a microphone, and most of them do. Uh, it comes right to us and we can send a voicemail back. It's kind of cool. Can we play it on the show? Yes. Well, then if you guys have anything you want to say, like, you know, I love Zen Parenting or you have a question or, yeah, I don't know, whatever you want to say just, that just, you like Todd. Yeah, just tell me how people, cool. Women tell me that they have crush, a crush on Todd. Can you blame them for goodness sakes? I know. Well, it cracks me up because they're telling me. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, if you want to say something like that. Yeah, so send us a voicemail we'll on the Then we'll play it on the show. That's right. Um, so three uh, reviews on iTunes. Uh, Marnie Crage, she's a... Yeah, I know. She, yeah, I know her. Good, she's a good listener. Yeah, she's she, on our Facebook page a lot. So she said, uh, Mindful Parents Unite, five stars. Amanda Y8101, best parenting podcast, five stars. Oh, that's nice. An amazing show by Crispy Thomey. I like that. Crispy Thomey. It sounds like potato chips. Does You're hungry now, aren't you? Mm, hungry. Um, so what else? I have my men's group this Thursday. We're going to talk about... I'm not going to let the cat out, cat out of the bag because I know a lot of them listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you're interested in doing a men's group that I host in my home uh, monthly, uh, shoot me an email, comments at zenparentingradio.com. Um, what else, sweetie? Well, I want to say to everybody, I know that we talk about, you know, Oprah all the time. It's not so much about Oprah. It's He's about- <laughs> in the building! It's about the fact. 
that Oprah has this platform where she's bringing these people on that these writers and these authors and these teachers and they're all so different mm-hmm. and they're all saying the, the same, same thing, thing. and which in is their what, own way in their own way with their own experience and their own personalities and it's so beautiful and I, I'm almost moved to tears every time I watch Super Soul Sunday it's so inspiring that's your me. church it is my church I mean it really is a special time. I actually even last night asked the girls and Todd to watch this happiness one with me because I really think it's all of them are important, but there was something about it that was so literal. Yeah. About girls, your happiness is an inside job. Yeah. I want them to be very clear about that so they don't look outside of themselves for things that may be pleasurable initially. There's nothing wrong with pleasure, but you can't constantly look for pleasure over and over again and expect that to sustain you. Right. Happiness is an inside job. I like that. I think that's going to be the title of the podcast. And it's a and it's perspective. So the reason I want to say that is watch Super Soul Sunday. Watch this one. This will be rebroadcast next week um, at 9 a.m. And then a new one will be on at 10 a.m. And TiVo it, DVR it. You don't have to watch all of them. If you're like, oh, that person doesn't interest me, don't watch it. But if you're TiVoing NCIS and SUV, and, no, it's not S, it's VU. <laughs> SUV. <laughs> and Law and & Order, put this in the mix to kind of balance yourself a little bit. Um, and then um, to satisfy the 10% external, personally, uh-huh. um, buy your book. Software Parent Part 1 and 2. What's the external 10%? That will make me happy. Oh, Todd's trying to look for external gain through money. That's right. And then also shop on Amazon, but go through our website first. But that'll go to BU. That won't go in our pockets. It'll go to BU, which is all kind of connected. Um, so. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so, but yeah, the Self-Aware Parent, the Self-Aware Parent 2, kathycadams.com. Also, um, you know, like our Facebook page. Also, for Zen Parenting Radio fans, Todd and I have another Facebook page called BU Inc., um, which is, it used to be the self-aware parent, but now it's our business. And so we put a lot of good stuff up there too. So like that page. Um, I was going to say something else, sweetie, but I don't remember what it was. Why don't you just start the good song? Because... Um, yeah, I'll start that song. We we all know what this is going to be. Shocking. Kind of sick of the song. Well, you know what? It's totally being overplayed, but yeah. that makes me happy because people are connecting with it. People are so this, hungry for this This has kind got 259 million YouTube views. Come on. 259 million. So for those of you who are saying, I'm a realist, the world sucks, why is everybody listening to this song about Yeah, that's being true. Happy? That's true. You know, this is... Good one. Pharrell. Keep, keep trucking. All right. Um, so we'll see you guys next week. You seem like you're not sure you want to end the show. I kind of want to keep talking. <laughs> Aren't we going to go on a date? Yeah, date okay, night. We're Mon- going to go at pizza. Monday night is date night in the Adams Family yeah. household. Um, all right, everybody. Adios. Okay, bye. Why? Because I'm happy.